Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to another show, everybody. Thank you for uh, tuning in. I'm here with uh, Dr. Mark Daniels and we're going to go through some of your questions. Today, let me just have a quick squeeze at the lift before we get started. We're going to talk about female hormones, um, some stuff about endometriosis and cysts on ovaries. We're going to be talking about somebody suffering with pins and needles. We're going to be speaking about glandular fever. Um, we're going to be speaking about vertigo again because we've got a follow-up question. So um, that will keep us busy uh, for today. So uh, how's things with you, Mark? Oh, not bad at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going all right. Uh, the GP work's going all right and the revolutionary health seems to be uh, going along quite nicely. So uh, yeah, things are looking up. Fantastic. That's great. What, what about you, Rich? How things, how, you always ask me, and I never ask you, how things are going with you? Ah, so I think, um, yeah, it's all good, you know, I'm ticking along, business is good, um, the, the sort of, um, the blog is going, going well, and, and everybody seems to be enjoying the show, so, yeah, great kids are, are good, um, we've just booked Legoland now for, um, May Bank Holiday, so that's our next little family kind of, um, sort of trip now, but yeah, it's all going good, and uh, hoping to, obviously, uh, the last time I think, uh, get down the caravan in the next few weeks and have a bit of fresh air near the coast on there, so yeah, like a simple life, Mark, um, just work, eat, train, sleep, and spend time with the family, you know, anything more, um, and it sort of overloads, you know? Sure. So, okay, um, you've had a look at the questions. Yeah, I have, yeah, they're interesting. I'll have a little, so the first one we've got today, guys, is off Kiri. I'm not sure, but I know Kiri. Uh, I think uh, she's from Easter. Um, <clears throat> Hi, Richard and Mark. I've been reading a few of your emails and blogs you have sent through for the past few months, and I myself am very much into the natural approach of healing. I'm not sure if you can help in any way or give any feedback. But at the moment, I'm at a loss of what to do next. So I thought I'd give you a shot. Um, to see if you had any idea, for, um, because you've worked with lots of doctors and so on. I'm 31 and suffer extremely bad in my hormones, to the point where I dread each month as it's another roller coaster ride. I've tried everything from diet, vitamins and minerals, completely gluten and dairy free, even Chinese herbs, and now I'm at the loss, nothing seems to work, my skin breaks out in rashes, I have endometriosis and cysts on my ovaries, and many other complaints, which I feel are related. I apologise for the long essay I've written, but would like to know if you know anyone in the area could help me naturally 
the doctors of, um, oh, sorry, I can help me question that. Naturally, the doctors have offered me the pill or HRT to bring on the menopause, which at age 31, and I'm trying to get pregnant after the loss of one baby last year. I don't really want to go down that route. I hope you don't mind me sending you this email, um, but the work I see and read about, I thought you may know uh, somebody who could help. Bit of a long one, Mark, but uh, you get the gist. So what, what do you think of that, Paul? Yeah, I mean, it, one, thing, one thing strikes me. I mean, she's, she's obviously tried a lot of stuff, but um, this, the endometriosis is always, well, not always, but it's uh, very much what's called an estrogen-dominant illness. So if you're estrogen-dominant, in other words, you've got more estrogen than you should have and less progesterone, then you get various symptoms. You can get anything from infertility, weight gain, mood swings, irritability, irregular periods, heavy periods, bleeding, PMS, fatigue, depression, low libido, endometriosis, breast cancer, ovarian, you get all these things, all right? All these things come from estrogen dominance. And it, it does sound like clearly suffering from estrogen dominance. I mean, men can get it as well. If you're overweight, you can get the old man boobs, you can get uh, uh, the prostate can enlarge, you get low libido, erectile dysfunction. So, I mean, it is a thing for both men and women, but it's much more for women. And really, in our modern world, we have things called abstractions. You know all about these, Richie, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in everything. I mean, they're, they're in uh, the, the carpets we go walk on. They're in the deodorants we put on, the, the skin, skin creams. And mostly, most importantly of all, they're in the pill and HRT. Yeah. So they're the last things you want to do if you're Eastern dominant. I mean, the, the classic treatment for endometriosis amongst doctors is to put people on the pill. Because yeah. so they, they've given three, three cycles of pill. And then you, have, then you have one period. So it's sort of, you know, lab damage limitation. But if she wants to get better, really, she's got to get rid of the xanthoestrogens and um, get, go into more, there are natural estrogens that bind to the receptors on the, uh, in the body that sort of stop the estrogen dominance. I mean, you could try, they're called phytoestrogens. I mean, have you heard of those, Richard? No, I haven't. Now, phytoestrogens, I mean, things like flaxseed, the, the, the oils are the, are the main thing for Things, things like even uh, sort of lentils and um, chickpeas. Um, yeah, I, I, I heard about some of those vegetarian foods give, having an estrogen uh, effect. Uh, yes, I didn't realise that's what they call phyto. Yeah, but that's, that's a, actually a good effect because these bind to the, um, the receptors and stop the ordinary estrogen binding there and get a negative feedback. So it, I would, the two things I'd do, I, I'd limit her... If she looks up xanthoestrogen, you can limit the amount of xanthoestrogen she gets. I would not go on the pill or the uh, HRT. And I would, uh, I would look up phytoestrogens and, and start taking it. The only thing I would avoid, though, is soya. Soya yeah. is a phytoestrogen, but I would avoid it because it's got so many problems with the way it's, it, it's actually made. I mean, a lot of it's GM these days. So I would avoid soya. Even if any website she goes on says about soya, I'd avoid it. Um, the other thing I would do, I mean, there's a fantastic book out there for me. I, I'd recommend it to any woman. It's called The Hormone Cure by Sarah Godfrey. It's absolutely brilliant. And it, it really does tick all the boxes. And if she reads that book and then she does, does what I said, I think she'll, she'll come out a good one there. Yeah, well, you know, I agree with everything you've said. And just to say other, other things to avoid, obviously, you know, the diet really needs to be clean. Too much yeah. sugar, uh, fructose, we've said before, uh, alcohol. Um, these things would all um, cause other hormones to downgrade to sure. estrogen, so you just add into the pool. 
again, what I do with my clients who have these problems, and I have a few, <coughs> is we go organic with all the, the products, so we're taking out all the, uh, the, the environmental estrogens. We try and have filtered water, um, so there's less uh, estrogen coming in from tap water because it is quite um, kind of, I don't know about high, but it, it, it is well documented that there's, you know, kind of asexual fish in the rivers in the UK and it caused because of, of the, the people urinating out their pill into the water system. So there's high, naturally high estrogen levels in the water as well. So those two things, the personal products from that. And then what we do is also give people a greens drink because yeah. green, greens drinks, if you can drink a, a teaspoon of greens drink in either a glass or a pint of water uh, per day, uh, it gives you like a plate full of vegetables, which is easy to consume, and also it's a big reducer of estrogen. So yeah, that's, that's only because you don't like vegetables. Isn't yeah, it? you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm writing an article at the moment. And it's called "I, I Hate Vegetables." And, <laughs> so yeah, I do hate vegetables. So um, yeah, that's the sort of stuff I would do on a practical level with people. So there we go. Hopefully that's good for you, Kiwi. Um, thank you for your question. Okay, I've got a question from Steve. Hi, I hope you can help. I recently started to experience very severe pins and needles in my arm when I'm sleeping. <coughs> Any idea why this would happen? Thanks. You want me right on this one, don't you? Yeah, I haven't got a Scooby. You haven't got a Scooby, have you? No. <laughs> but basically, there's, 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 there's several reasons, okay? The commonest reason why people get pins and needles in their arms is because they sleep awkwardly or or are leaning awkwardly on a chair, etc. But it doesn't sound like this is what, what's happening to this thing. The, the commonest cause that's actually a medical cause is something called carpal tunnel syndrome. Now that's where your ulnar nerve, which is the nerve that goes down through your wrist to your hand, gets compressed, and that can be caused by many things. But the way to print a test is, is two tests. There's something called a Phelan's test, where it goes into a sort of prayer position with his hands, yeah. With, his palm, with his palms upright and presses as hard as he can and he should be able to get the tingling or he just taps his wrist and he gets the tingling as well. Both of those, Phelan's and, and Tingle's sign, are both on the internet. You can just Google it and you'll, you'll find those signs. But that's the commonest reason for it. Now, if you wanted to treat your carpal tunnel syndrome, I mean, the commonest way of treating it is because of an operation. But sometimes it's your thyroid that is underactive that may cause it. Uh, other, other causes are mainly uh, getting overweight anything that would compress the ulnar nerve. So I, I, would, I would go with testing himself for um, carpal tunnel syndrome or getting a, a medical practitioner to test him for it. Um, it otherwise, there, is, there are other causes, things like diabetes, but to be perfectly honest, it sounds like carpal tunnel syndrome, and I would, I would go along that route first, and if it's not that, then look for other causes. And, and would you get that, like, say, if, if you get uh, pins and needles in your shoulder, for example, yeah. Is that, could that still come from the wrist then, Mark? It can come from, it can come from, or, yeah. I don't think people say they've got pain up their arm, yeah. and I say, well, where, where does it come from? Say, well, I don't know, it's up my arm, and I do the failings and signals, and it's clearly a, a, a um, couple of times, it's like an electric shock going up your arm. You know when you sleep awkwardly, you get that pins and needles doing deadly, that's what you get with carpal tunnel. I, I expect he's got carpal tunnel, so get that looked at, you can Google the, the test yourself, yeah. and you can, you can test yourself, but if, if, if not, I go and see your GP. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll test you for a couple. And, and obviously, if it's not carpal tunnel, what are the other alternatives? It could be nerves and stuff, and just compress the nerve while he's sleeping and things, is it? Yeah, absolutely. If he's if he's sitting awkwardly on his chair all day, if he's, if he's a desk jockey and he hasn't got a very good ergonomic chair, 
that he may he may be pressing on the on the nerves in, in Adri's elbow or his wrist and giving that problem, or he's sleeping awkwardly. There are other causes. I, I mentioned diabetes, but that's very unlikely. The most common cause is carpal tunnel. Right, okay, brilliant. Great, thank you very much. Sorry. Um, I have a, a chap now. I know this chap. His name's Toby. He's not in our age category, but um, he listens to the show and he's very keen on, on his health and things. Okay, um, I'm a rugby player. I had glandular fever for what seemed like 12 to 18 months. I feel a lot better now, but I've not regained even half of my previous strength levels. How long does the recovery take? I'll start, then you can give him the exercise thing, all right? Yeah. Basically, um, glandular fever, I mean, it's a virus. It affects, um, basically, blood production, and it affects your, your spleen. But what, what's coming more to light is it can give you a chronic sort of neurological problem for a long time afterwards where you feel tired, almost like chronic fatigue, where you feel just shattered, worn out, and can't do very much. Now, if he's had it for 12 to 18 months and he's feeling better, I would suggest he, he goes back to uh, doing some, some training because in 12 to 18 months, he's not done very much. He'll have lost a lot, as you well know. Yeah. So maybe he can't do what he did before, but uh, I'm sure you can give him some uh, some tips on how he can uh, rehabilitate himself. But uh, basically, it's very common to go 12, 13 months. All these serious side effects would have happened by now if they were going to happen. So basically, this is just like a, almost like a chronic fatigue, but it's it's not chronic fatigue. It's just that your body needs, needs to recover, and all he needs to do is to get back into exercise. So I, I'm sure you can give him some tips on how to get back you know, into it. We, we, we sort of we started, we exercised for quite a, a period of time and a couple of different things started to happen. We had times when he was exercising his throat would just tighten up yeah. um, and he wouldn't be able to do anything and he didn't know if that was related to it. Other times when you say well he wouldn't be able to make a session because he can't get out of bed and sometimes it still comes back in waves. So yeah, and, and also it's like it's like from it's like gone on a long, long time now and He's still not improving in his strength, like he struggles to squat, you know, 100 kilos. But if, that, if that's the case, I, I would suggest that he has some tests done. Yeah. I would, I would suggest that he has his adrenal stress done. I would suggest he has his blood count done to make sure his blood counts are right. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that his thyroid done. Okay. Because all those things can, can you know, impact on your um, ability to regain strength, etc. So I would, ha- I would have those done and then go from there. Brilliant. Great. Well, I know he's had a few blood tests, but I know he listened to this now, and perhaps he'll even come and see you uh, from Revolutionary uh, uh, Health, because uh, he's in a position to do that sort of thing. Yeah, no problem, sir. Great. Um, thank you. Speaking one of my own questions. Um, <laughs> so we got a question from Michelle. Following on, uh, good afternoon, following on from the last podcast about vertical, I would be extremely grateful and if you can possibly give me any help whatsoever with regards to vertigo. My son who is 15 and is being treated for it. We are waiting an EMT appointment, only another 20 weeks to wait, exclamation mark. Also, he is to have a head scan. This is all very worrying as his mum. He was diagnosed two years ago. It comes and goes. Many, many thanks, Shalima. It's always interesting, uh, very interesting. Keep up the good work. Michelle. Me again, isn't it? You were doing, sir. <laughs> this, I have a problem with this one. I mean, vertigo is something that comes in all the time to us. And it really, really is, the, the, the crux of the matter is all in the history. 
I mean, what I would suggest she does is she re-emails us with the following, all right? Right. So at least we can make a, a stab at it. So details of the first episodes. When it very first happened, what was the very first episode? What symptoms they had? I mean, because people say vertigo, it could be, they mean all sorts of different things. So the exact symptoms, was the world spinning or was it falling over? What was actually happening? How often the symptoms occur? How long the symptoms last for? Um, are they associated with hearing loss, tinnitus, nausea, vomiting, fullness in the ear? Um, do they affect his daily activities? You know, is, is he able to walk during an episode of vertigo? Is there anything that triggers the symptoms or makes them worse, such as moving his head in a different place? And what makes his symptoms better? Now, they are the things I need to know, really, to be able to make any sort of... Uh, uh, if someone came into me, that's what I'd be asking them. Yeah. And without that, it could be anything. There's so many causes of vertigo. Now, to, to try and sort of, with what we've got, I can sort of say, he's had it for two years. Right, that rules out anything terrible, all right? It rules out things like brain tumours and awful things, okay? So we can forget about those because it's extremely unlikely any of those will be there for two years, okay? So I hope you, we can be assured on that. Um, they will be doing, a t they will, the MRI scan will be looking for, for something called an acoustic neuroma, which is a, a non-malignant tumour. So it's not a, not a dangerous thing. In 30 years, I've only seen one. And I've sent so many people to see, uh, to have CT scans. And even then, they're totally treatable. So I wouldn't worry too much about the, um, the tumour things. That's what everyone always worries about, having got brain tumour. I wouldn't worry too much. Two years is too long not to have any more symptoms. Now, we mentioned in the last podcast about uh, blind postural, um, uh, sorry, blind paroxysmal postural vertigo. It's a very simple thing. It happens when people um, move quickly and they get this very, it's just highly disabling um, vertigo. It's worth testing, uh, worth, worth looking up on Google, all they have to do is look up whole pike and, um, which is a test for it, which they can do themselves, whole and they could uh, then do whole pike, yeah. It's a test, it's on Google, you, you get very, even I, you've done a test so many times, Google it every time I do it, because I probably do it once a month, and I forget it every time. It's a very simple test, they can do it themselves, just to see if they've got this, and if they have got it, they can then do a, a simple manoeuvre to get rid of it. But that's, that's not a common illness, but it, it is worth testing. I mean, when they go to see the, um, the uh, ENT surgeons, they'll probably do a, a hearing test. They'll also, uh, as you say, they'll do, they'll do a CT scan. They may put them on a, a sort of uh, a table where they move them around and see if they can get the vertigo. That's called posturography. Um, but uh, if she comes back to us with all those things I just said, if you rewind the, the, um, the podcast and then rewrites the... the um, Email, emails us with all that information. I can probably make a better stab at what's going on with her. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And um, we will um, follow that one, one up again. And just to go back on, on something that you've said, I've already had questions of people, and I've had to message them straight back for more detail. Um, so yeah. just for everybody to be aware, when you send a question in, as much detail as you possibly can, so that we got a little idea and, and, and we can we can give a better kind of. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much they write, does it? Because we well, can edit the actual amount they write because we'll know the information. And so they, you know, for the actual um, podcast, they can we can say it in four lines, but we'll know the background. So yeah. that, that's actually quite important. Very very important uh, point that is, and, and if we can do that, it'll be a big uh, help for everybody. So. Um, I, we're going to be leaving it down, keeping them a, bit, a little bit shorter uh, if we can. So we've got four questions there today. We will leave it there. I just wanted to tell everybody that I have contacted everybody who won 
anything in the competitions we ran when we first started. Um, everybody's been contacted. All the prizes have been given out. I have one book left of Dr. Ripper's, so if anybody wants to claim that, all they've got to do is leave a review on iTunes uh, for us. And um, we, we just drop me a line to say you left me a review. I'll check the review, and then I'll, I'll send you the book. So that's that. Um, that's great. That's all the notes I've got there. Anything from you, Mark? No, i just got one thing. One thing that's been irritating me for um, a couple of weeks is that there's a, there's a growing thing out there where I, I do the baby clinic in the surgery, and there's a growing thing for mums to have, they're not breastfeeding, to have something called hungry baby milk. And for any mums out there, do not use hungry baby milk. All they do is add sugar. So the hungry baby formula is a sugar. So don't touch them, all right? Well, I'll write about that when I publish this podcast, and I'll make sure it's in the, the show notes sure. in, the, in the title. Because that, uh, if there's anything to do with babies and stuff, that is so important, and uh, people really um, will, will, will love that. So thank you, Mark. Good hey, right. Great. So that's all for this episode. We're going to uh, record another episode uh, right away now, so we'll see you in a moment. Uh, thank you very much. Take care. Bye from me. And bye from me. You, Me and the GP Radio Show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, we accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.